You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you can get access to our special bonus content like our pet peeve segment or discounts to our upcoming events like the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention being held this May. Romans 1 Verses 8-12 through 12 in the Christian Standard Bible reads, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, and telling the good news about his Son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may import to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, to be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. In this section of scripture, St. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's discussing his desire to be with them in person and to encourage one another when he gets there. Not just him encourage them, but to have them encourage him. Um, David, one thing I notice in the scripture that's really powerful, Paul's desire isn't he's so full of himself that he wants to help this church, but rather... He understands that both as minister and the laity have a relationship where they build one another up. How important do you think it is that Christian leaders today better understand their own need to also be uplifted by the church? Ooh, okay. Starting with a heavy question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I don't think that that can be underestimated. The need for a minister to humbly walk with their congregation hand in hand or with the people who look up to them hand in hand is is incredibly important i think if you get that disconnect it leaves so much room for unhealthy things to grow in in the church's heart in the people's heart in the leader's heart and it causes a divide that honestly can't be reconciled without genuine repentance and humility Amen and hallelujah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to your favorite Church Unity podcast, the Whole Church Podcast. And I'm not here with everyone's favorite and the best, greatest co-host of all time, but it rather, I am here with the one, the only, the the go-to snack of March Madness, David Pizza Roll. David, how's it going, man? It's going really well. Thank you for having me, Josh. And uh, we don't have a guest. We have uh, two co-hosts of your favorite Church Unity podcast just kind of chatting. We had a guest originally planned who it turned out this wasn't really his kind of show. You know, we do a lot of levity and practicing the joy of the spirit. And, you know, we're not going to name drop. Just going to let you know. He decided it wasn't for him. So we are kind of winging it today, guys. So you might get anything. I promise it'll be about the church and unity, but we don't know exactly what Man, TJ picked a crazy one to miss. <laughs> I know, man. I was really hoping TJ was here. Oh, man. So with that, uh, if you guys want to go to our convention later on this May, there is a link down in the notes. You can check that out. Use the code whole W-H-O-L-E for 40% off or go to our Patreon where you can get a bunch of our bonus episodes and stuff. And uh, you'll also get 60% off code there that you can use instead. So maybe do that. Maybe be pretty cool. Uh, David, if you could watch <laughs> squirrels 
compete against one another in any Olympic sport. Welcome to my favorite form of unity, by the way. Which would you most enjoy watching squirrels compete in? Um, I'm going to answer for TJ first. Uh, his answer is ping pong. It's a great answer, TJ. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm going with a winter one, uh, bobsledding, because I just want to watch a group of squirrels run to one side and then the other. Just can't get that image out of my head. It can't stop being funny. <laughs> uh, I would have to answer with pole vaulting, uh, but with not miniature pole vaults that would be you know, proportionate to the squirrels with actual pole vaults with the actual bar being way up high. I think it would have to be a team sport where a bunch of squirrels <laughs> working together to, to launch just one squirrel at the very end. So definitely pole vaulting. I'm trying to imagine that. And I can't not imagine it in like despicable me kind of animation. <laughs> My brains just broke. now. You broke it. And now we have to figure out to talk how to talk about you. <laughs> so, so David, um, for those who've been listening, they might have noticed you've been on a few episodes recently, and you're kind of new to the whole church ethos. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I know you've gone through a a lot of different changes in your spiritual walk and your church life and all that. We're not going to get into much of that, just because. That's kind of personal, and you're still going through some of it, so I don't feel like that's really appropriate. But I did want to see, for someone who who's kind of just binge listened to a bunch of whole church, uh, what's your take? <laughs> what is oh. the whole church podcast from somebody who hasn't been a part of it the whole time? <laughs> uh, my favorite whole, ch- whole church unity podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean... Honestly, before before listening to Whole Church, I really didn't listen to many podcasts. So this was just kind of like my introduction to the podcasting world as well. Uh, I listened to a lot of the roundtables starting uh, off. I didn't yeah. I didn't start very early on. I just went okay. Josh recommended roundtables. I'm going to listen to these, and I I love listening to it. I mean, <laughs> there's guests that. Even though I don't agree theologically with everyone on everything, I'm not supposed to because there's not going to be a theology test in heaven. You know, that I love breaking it down to first, second, and third tier issues. I love that that y'all are amicable and respectful with everybody who you've had on here and vice versa. It I I love this podcast. Yeah. I feel like you have a fun perspective too, because you know a little bit more about what TJ and I actually believe because we've been friends for a really long time. So I think a lot of listeners are like, wait a minute, they have what on now? Do they agree with that guy? Do they agree? Like what? (laughs) Whereas you're like, man, they just interviewed that person and didn't agree with a single thing that person said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've listened, I've listened to a few episodes and I've been like, wow, that, that was really, that was a really good interview knowing how Josh is. (laughs) That's really funny. Actually. (laughs) Um, what what would you say was your biggest takeaway from like the roundtable since since you said you started there? Let's. Ooh, that's a top of my head answer. The one of the episodes that sticks out to me was about people being hurt by the church and accountability that needs to be taken and stuff with within the church and how. Everyone went around talking, mentioning one thing that is done to victims of church hurt that is not at all helpful. And the one answer that always sticks out to me is 
telling them to just roll with it, <laughs> telling them that it's just that they're just offended. Uh, yeah, like get over it, kind of. Yes, and I was like, dude. Yes, it was like uh, somebody had mentioned. It's like we know you're hurt, but why are you hurt? Why are you mad about it? You know, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's terrible. Yeah, or like just have more faith, or you know, if you were closer to God, this wouldn't offend you. And it's kind of like, okay, but telling them that doesn't help them. Even if you truly believe that all they need is more faith, then why don't you help them? find more faith <laughs> you know like don't yeah. just tell them to do it it's not beneficial it's like if you get hit by a car well maybe don't stand in the street next time oh great great thank you that <laughs> helps me now yeah like uh well you know what <laughs> cool <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's funny so i figured out while you were saying that what this episode's going to be <laughs> this is going to be like a like a like a david hazing we're going to walk you through all of the the big the big whole church tropes, if you will, all of the things that we we like to do to guests. We're just gonna have you go through all of them. Is this like so my that, initiation? Yeah, yeah. So that now, now when you co-host with us on occasion, it's like, man, I've been there. I know what this is like. <laughs> Sounds good. So starting off, one thing we like to do that we found really helps in gender unity in the church <laughs> is to ask people about their story. <laughs> this is like both like really serious and really funny to me because I'm like, I'm just gonna make him do all of the things. <laughs> Could you give us like a snapshot of your testimony of how you came to Christ and became the man of God you are now and even what you do now? I feel like some people might not know anything other than your me and DJ's friend. <laughs> uh, golly, where do I start? Uh, I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, I was raised in the church. My my dad used to be a pastor and a church planter and I have a picture of him with Billy Graham because he worked with the Billy Graham Foundation whenever they went to Puerto Rico to do crusades. Uh, so I was always I was always in the church. And I wasn't one of those kids who was like drugged to the church, kicking and screaming. I loved it. Uh, at When I was six or seven years old, we moved to Massachusetts because my dad had gotten sick. And my dad had started to plant a church up there and it never really panned out. But uh, I remember up there, I, <laughs> I had talked to one of my classmates during recess and had essentially told him that, like, this is going to kind of sound like it goes against everything whole church related. <laughs> Perfect. That's uh, what we love. <laughs> he was from a different denomination and he didn't believe very similarly or anything similar to what I believed or to what I was taught in church. And so I was telling him about my lesson in Sunday school. And uh, he was telling me about how mass went. And I was like, man, everything you said is false. <laughs> and keep in mind, I was six years old and knew nothing. But <laughs> I just started yeah, telling funny. him, I started telling him about Sunday school. And I was like, haha, my Jesus is cooler than yours. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. But uh, yeah. So I ended up just talking to my classmates about Jesus and uh, one of them ended up wanting to get saved. And I was like, Hey, come over to my house. My dad knows how to pray. He'll pray for us. You know? And after that, I just kind of realized I want to, I want to, I want to do ministry. I want to evangelize that specifically evangelism was just something that has always called to me. Uh, fast forward about 12 years almost. And 
we we end up in South Carolina. And when I was 14 years old, my dad had ended up taking his own life. And Mm -hmm. that was a turning point for me because up to that point, I had believed I was a Christian by default. I believed Mm -hmm. I was a Christian just because both my parents were and I was raised in the church. But here all of a sudden I had to ask myself, what if my faith doesn't hinge on my dad's salvation? Because the Bible doesn't really cover suicide a whole lot. So I I didn't know anything about where where my dad where my dad's soul stood and let alone where 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 my salvation stood and that shook me and uh I I didn't know what to do I didn't know if I believed in God I I knew that I was angry at God because I felt like he let my dad down by not healing him of his physical illnesses and his mental illness and uh yeah I ended up I ended up almost diving into scripture out of spite. Hmm. I, I I ended up reading, I read a lot <laughs> just out of anger, just trying to, on one hand, prove that my, that my dad could still be saved. And on the other hand, prove that God does abandon his people. And I found really nothing that I wanted and nothing that I didn't want. I just, I was just like, <laughs> this is fruitless. And a few months later, I ended up visiting a church, uh, and I really, I was confronted by a pastor that I never knew, very charismatic leader, uh, and he spoke directly into the situation and just spoke things that I didn't think anybody could know, things that I never told anybody. And I realized, okay, if if God is real, then He's upset about this too, mm-hmm. and. If God is real, then running away from him isn't going to help anything. And so I started taking my faith seriously. I started serving in kids ministry at a church that I had attended, served in youth ministry, began preaching in the youth ministry, eventually began preaching uh, occasionally on Sunday mornings, uh, served at youth yeah. camp, did all the did all the Christian things. And now I'm here. I I don't know how to pursue evangelism or the things that I that I know that I'm called to do but I am preaching occasionally at different churches so I think that's a start yeah preaching doing some podcasts that kind of stuff um man I actually have a, I have a few follow-up questions <laughs> and it's hard to figure out the right questions to ask when you've already talked to somebody and you kind of already like gone through some of this you know um one, one thing I met you shortly after you started going to the new church um, at church camp, you know, both Kogop guys. <laughs> um, I'm more like a Kogop Lutheran hybrid right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in a very weird spot, but uh, <laughs> which I guess you're kind of like a Kogop non-denominational hybrid now. I kind of, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Which, which I, th- I feel like non-denominational is like, like vanilla, you know? <laughs> so like whatever flavor you add to it, it just becomes that flavor. So I guess you still go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> um pentecostal let's just say he's a pentecostal yeah that sounds sure right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why do we got to label things anyway uh, <laughs> um you have always been very much filled of the spirit in a the joy kind of way you know like you you very much are filled with this happiness this like whatever do you ever get where I'm trying to find a sensitive way to ask this. Tell me you don't want to answer this if you don't want to answer this. Do you ever get where sometimes people just kind of assume 
because you're young and you're happy and you're filled with joy rather than assuming that God did a big thing. They rather, they just assume you don't have a hard story. Is that something that happens a lot? Yeah, actually it's, it's happened quite a lot. Uh, A lot of times when people first meet me, that's the first impression that they get. Oh, he's, he's too happy. That means he's goofy. That means he's childish. And he never went through anything, never (laughs) went through anything. And I've had people legitimately just tell me that. And, not know the story that I came from or the poverty that I grew up in or anything about that. Yeah. I knew the answer to that. I just wanted to set myself up to ask you how, how do you address that when like when that comes up or when people make those assumptions or do you just kind of let them say whatever? That's a tough question because not because it has a difficult answer, but because it took me a long time to realize that I didn't, that if people were going to make those assumptions about me, it wasn't my job to change it. Yeah. And generally the people who would make those assumptions were people who were in the church. So my, not my target audience anyway. So (laughs) I wasn't worried about it. And at the very least I'll say, I'll say this. I learned this recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting in some ways. I feel like, a lot of people who grew up in the church have kind of been desensitized to things. Um, in my experience, outside of the church, if someone ran into someone with your kind of spirit, they want to know why you're like that. Like, why are you so happy? Why are you filled with joy? You know, like in the church, they just assume you're childish. You haven't been through anything. But outside, it kind of is like, well, why are you like that? And I know the answer. <laughs> you know, I, I told you guys, he's he's Pentecostal-ish. <laughs> he's filled with the spirit. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But it. Do you think if we were more curious about people's stories that it would help us engender unity and even have better evangelistic opportunities? Yes, 100%. Our stories are essential. That's why God lets us have them. Uh, The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies and by, by shutting down people's individuality and their chance to tell their story, we're shutting down the ability for the church to grow and for people outside of the church to receive hope. Hmm. True. True. So, and this is something that's, I'm trying to preface in a way it's always going to happen as long as our churches are set up where one guy is standing up on a stage telling everybody else something, (laughs) you know, as long as that is the setup of church, some of this is going to happen. But you know, a lot of times there's a lot of generalizations made in a sermon like well people need faith and people feel sad and anxious and all this kind of stuff and if they had this thing that the bible says if they understood this and they wouldn't feel that way anymore for someone with your story that doesn't fall under some of this generalized stuff and are more aware of some of the mental health issues and all that do you think the church is doing a disservice to those who are struggling with their mental health by making some of these generalizations yes and no uh yes definitely if you're making these generalizations and pretending that it's a simple issue no because sometimes the, the a lot of those generalizations have truth in them they're just not the whole truth and yeah most most of the time you're going to see people making those generalizations and minimizing especially mental health issues to just that one generalization of like, oh, you need to go to the gym more and read the Bible more, which, yeah, 
praying and reading the Bible will definitely be beneficial to you. Going to the gym and getting your body in shape will be beneficial to you. But that doesn't heal mental health issues. That doesn't, I mean, tell that to somebody, tell that to (laughs) a person who's grieving because their mother's getting dementia. All right, well, tell granny to get some gains. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I I do believe that you can lay hands on someone and pray and even physical things that are causing mental health issues actually can be healed. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen. So even that generalization, it's kind of like, yes, tell people to do that. But also, is there is there a good solution that doesn't involve we say these things that are true and then the pastor gets out a list and goes, okay, so here's some exceptions. (laughs) You know, like we don't want our pastors to start doing that. But like, is there a good answer that isn't that? (laughs) Oh, that is complex because part of the issue is the way that modern evangelical churches are set up. I mean, there's they're set up to where one person is elevated and one person has all the answers. And so that's a disservice to that person and to the church, because that one person is set up to have to basically come down off a cloud every Sunday morning, you know, mm-hmm. and that pressure of everybody's looking up to them they almost get pushed into this place where they have to have all the answers. And that is, and a lot of people sadly falter to that and just come up with the simplest answer to every issue. And then it's a disservice to the congregation because they don't get the, the nuance that each individual person needs. So I was talking to my brother about this, a very good example of healthy church is actually going to be found in recovery groups, especially like Christ-centered recovery groups, like Celebrate Recovery and all that. Mm-hmm. It's it's fantastic because it is a structured service where, you know, people do have worship uh, and there, there's usually people sharing the word or a testimony or something up front, but then you get to go and be the church with everyone around you. You know, you go separate into groups where you'll open up about your issues and pray together. And and there's there's space for each person's testimony to be shared and each person's individuality and nuances to grow. I think I think mm-hmm. church is not a theater where you mm-hmm. watch one person give you answers. It's it's where each person in the body of Christ gets to grow together. Yeah. That's why I try to be very careful to when I'm talking about the building, say church building, and I know that's annoying semantics, but I think it's important <laughs> that we remember church is the people. Uh, yeah. Very you important. can't. Here's some, fun, here's some fun facts that are going to blow some people's minds. You literally can't miss church to watch the Super Bowl. It's impossible. Uh, you're the church. So if there's <laughs> other, other people who are the church with you while you're watching the Super Bowl, um, you're having church. You can't be late to church. You can't not go to church. <laughs> you, you know, it's like uh, you can't be disrespectful in church. Um, <laughs> so many of these things and we're like, uh, guys, uh, that's actually you're just using the word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which 
it's funny, but it's also a really important thing to remember because, and this goes back to the verse we read at the beginning too, right? The pastor is part of the church. He's not the leader of the church. He's not the guy who stands on a stage in a church because that's not what the church is. He's just part of it. So just as much as the minister, just as much as Paul was wanting to encourage the Romans, the, he wanted the Romans to encourage him, just as much as your pastor should be encouraging you, you should be uplifting and encouraging him and even challenging him sometimes. Yep. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So, David, another thing that we like to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't you love do you love how I, how I just don't do transitions sometimes? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one thing we like to do to help our audience get to know our guest a little bit better <laughs> is our speed round segment that we, we pretty much don't let me do. So this is going to be chaos without dj oh, so man. i pulled up i pulled up the one the hardest one we've ever asked anybody so we did a speed round with trip fuller of homebrewed christianity and we gave him a doozy of one and uh we're gonna ask you if you can answer all these questions that we asked him in one sentence or less and i can't ask you any follow-up questions but josh i'm the least qualified or educated person to, that you've asked these questions to i don't even know what some of them mean <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect then you can say skip if you need to okay who or what is god the creator and sustainer of the universe uh the alpha and omega and when i say that oh shoot one one sentence is this can i do run on sentences yeah run on sentences are fine <laughs> uh creator and sustainer of the universe uh and the the boss <laughs> what he says goes okay <laughs> what is salvation salvation is reconciliation from being lost to being with christ what is the significance of the incarnation the incarnation of jesus yes it is where god went from just being somebody who could only be reached by priests and people who we're willing to make treks up mountains to God walking with us and going through everything with us so that he can understand so that even though he already understood us, we know he could understand us. Mm, good one. Good one. What is the significance of Baptist baptism in the Eucharist? You can use a semicolon for this one if you need to. <laughs> uh, the Lord's Supper is significant because it reminds us why we do what we do and it makes church not a gathering in a building but fellowship as believers and baptism is a public celebration of coming from death to life and showing that to the world around you mm -hmm. what authority does scripture have scripture has authority to govern our lives as we live them on this earth mm -hmm. what authority does tradition have not much. <laughs> what are your views on destiny or predestination? I think that this might make a lot of people angry, but I don't think it matters that much because uh, to wonder if certain people are destined or predestined for heaven or hell makes us the judges of whether they're saved or not. And so mm -hmm. I don't think it matters whether it is or isn't real. God determines it and our job is just to spread the word nice nice can god change he can change his mind but 
he himself and his character is consistent always. Mm. Mm. What do you love about the Bible? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that it is relevant to whatever I need it to be relevant to. I can, if I'm wondering my place or what God thinks of me, I can read Psalm 139 and really understand that the thoughts he has about me, the good thoughts he has about me outnumber the grains of sand and things as that. How do we relate to God? We relate to God because uh, by being made in his image and Hmm. that he, and just the fact that he wants us is automatically relational. How many of the seven sacraments do you or your church hold to, and which ones? The seven sacraments are baptism, confirmation, the Lord's Supper, penance, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. I'm guessing all of them. I mean, there's <laughs> I don't see anything unscriptural in any of them, but uh, I'll just say all of them and then also pass. all of them may be passed (laughs) perfect perfect well that was that was the speed round that was like the big tough one that was very (laughs) difficult josh i hate that you put me through that (laughs) well now you can relate when we do it to other guests (laughs) yeah golly all the pauses and i've never (laughs) i've never been so stumped yet also knew what i wanted to say at the same time And David, how do you think being able to relate to other guests on a Christian podcast could better help unite the church? Uh, At the very least, being able to empathize with somebody is vital Mm -hmm. to unity. Mm -hmm. So even if I agree with nothing else that the guest says, I will empathize with them on how hard it is to be put on the spot. (laughs) I will have unity with them in that sense. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. So, David, is there is there anything that you were hoping when you finally got to be a guest as opposed to a co-host on this show that we would ask you that I haven't asked you? Ooh, what are some pet peeves of things that have been taught in church that are taught uh, as doctrine that aren't doctrine? I can't ask you that until the patron segment pet peeves. Oh, uh, shoot. Wait, if you guys want to if you guys want to. Join our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Okay. Uh, well, then ask me, what is something that you used to believe was doctrine but isn't? Ooh, yeah. What's something you used to believe is doctrine but isn't? <laughs> I would have to say there's this statement that I was taught a lot and that I just that I just used to wear on uh, on my shoulder as if it were law. And that is favor ain't fair. Uh, Yeah, I've I've heard that. Yeah. And so I did a word study on favor, where it came from and what it means. And every time that it is used in scripture, it generally it generally is referring to how God is just and fair and doesn't favor anybody above anybody else. And that has genuinely been one of the most humbling things that I learned as a Christian is, whoa, I'm not special. I'm just saying yes to God. Man, uh, do the Bible word search and look up where God says that he is no respecter of man. James. Yes. 
Yeah. But at the same time, God does specifically select certain people for certain times. You know, you were chosen for a time such as this kind of stuff. But God's no respecter of people. There is no male, no female. There is no elect or non-elect. There is no Greek or Jew. Uh, we're all just the church. <laughs> Even in those cases where God chose somebody like Noah or Abram, mm-hmm. those people were chosen because they were living righteously. Even Job, who was specifically selected by God to go through suffering, it was because he is faithful to God. And so I'm like, and in Proverbs, it says, let loyalty and kindness never leave you and you'll obtain favor from the Lord. So yeah, he does pick and select certain people. And there is such a thing as favor from God, but to say it's unfair or that he just gives it out randomly is just not true and not scriptural, not historical. It's just not accurate because the people who God does favor, he chose to favor them because they were obedient to him. True. True. And because God is righteous, he literally can't be unfair. Yeah. That's just uh, you getting into the doctrine of who is God kind of stuff. I, I do wonder, talking about some doctrine stuff, this will be my last one before before I, I do the regular things that we do at the end here. But having binged whole church last year, <laughs> the end of last year, was there anything – because this is something I found really weird to me. Is there anything that you held on to very tightly that maybe you still believe, but now you think that maybe people can be a Christian and disagree with you about it? That you used to think, no, this, you have to believe this. I'm going to offend a lot of my Pentecostal colleagues, but um, there's some people who believe the miracles have ceased. I believe that they haven't ceased, Yeah, but I don't, I don't believe that that's a first tier issue. I don't believe that your salvation hinges on that. And I say that because in Matthew chapter 25, there's people who come up to Jesus claiming that they did all these miracles and things in his name. And mm-hmm. he says, depart from me for I never knew you. And I believe that signs and wonders follow them who believe, but I also believe that signs and wonders don't save you. So mm-hmm. if somebody's faith is solid in Jesus, uh, they may never see one miracle in their life, but they experience the miracle of salvation. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. The big one for me, this is going to offend all the Baptists and Pentecostals and a bunch of people, but whatever. Inerrancy. Um, and what's funny is because I've come to this because of my strong belief in the Bible, because the Bible doesn't say if they believe every single word of the Bible, they shall be saved. Uh, it says if they confess with their mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord in Christ, then they'll be saved. So if the Bible is inerrant or if the Bible is completely true, then I have to believe that they don't have to believe that to be saved. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And that that's a hard one for me because I'm like, oh, but, but it doesn't make sense if it's not. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, like, the man at the right hand of Jesus probably didn't know one single law. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So even if it sounds crazy, even if they are crazy, not being crazy isn't a prerequisite to be saved. So there we go. <laughs> so, David, we, we do ask every guest. And you've given me a few good answers while we talked about this throughout the last few months. If you had to pick a single tangible action, something practical our listeners could go do right now to better help maintain the unity of the whole church, what would you pick for them to do? Gosh. 
my answers have changed so much, but this is going to be a challenging one that I don't know if ah, a lot good. of people are going to do. Uh, but that's join a Christ-centered recovery group. And this is it sounds it sounds crazy because of the stigmas that are surrounding them. Like, oh, that's for that's for people who are alcoholic or drug addicts or whatever. No, they are, in my experience, the ones that I've visited. Uh, they help you. They've helped me and my wife deal with grief, uh, deal with codependency, deal with so many other things. And they're generally, in my experience, ran by some of the most humble and Christ-like people. And they've given me such a better understanding of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Hmm. And, I mean, it'll show you so much about yourself. At the very least, I think I think every every leader in the church should should join a Christ-centered recovery group for for the chance to not even to connect with the people, but to learn about yourself and remain humble. It is so good. Man. So as our church leaders and our listeners do that and they visit these recovery centers, what do you think will see change in the church? I think a lot of stigmas will be broken. I think the church will go from a picture perfect place to what we like to tell ourselves that it is. And that's a, a hospital for the spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people will be less intimidated to walk into church buildings because they know that the people there are not only going to help them and do life with them, but that they're also going through a lot of the same things. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. I think as as the church, we need to be OK with admitting that we're not OK and we don't have it all together. Yeah, good stuff. So with that, one thing we do at the end of every episode, as you know, we like to do our God moment segment. Uh, just a time where we all share something God's been up to with us recently. Blessing, challenge, gift. I don't know. Anything. Um, and TJ likes to make me go first, so I'll go first for his sake. <sighs> you know, I'm going to use the, the podcast that didn't happen as my God moment. <laughs> <laughs> so before we started doing this, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we had a guest. And we kind of had a negative experience there, um, I would say. And... Just kind of turned out this wasn't really his kind of show kind of deal. And it was interesting. The verse that we picked originally to fit the interview we were going to do, I think actually fit our conversation better, which tell, which made me feel like that was a God thing. That was a God moment there when I saw how that verse actually spoke better into how leaders don't need to be arrogant, but also need the support of the church. That was when I was like, hmm. Seems like a God moment to me. <laughs> so no hard feelings against the brother who did leave or anything like that. If he happens to listen to this, but I think that was a pretty, pretty cool, like click moment for me where I was like, Oh, this was supposed to happen. Yeah. So what about you, David? <laughs> My God moment this week would have to be. I start reading a couple of really good books. One of them you recommended to me, the nine marks of a healthy church. And then another one, that was recommended by the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it is When Narcissism Comes to Church. And that has been one of the best books that I've read in recent memory, because not only does it highlight why a lot of people are hurt by the church, but it reminds us to seriously remember that 
people who hurt other people in the church are themselves just carrying a lot of shame that they haven't dealt with. And that instead of feeling justified or angry by seeing psychological studies and things like that, that it should really make us pray for our hurting brothers and sisters who are also hurting other people. Hmm. And so my God moment is reading that book and being humbled by it to not feel so justified, but also to pray for those who hurt us. Hmm. Yeah. Man, uh, my practical implication was to put that on my Amazon wish list once David mentioned the book earlier. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So, guys, with that, uh, welcome to the end of the show. I don't usually do the outro, so I'm trying to find it so I can read it to you guys. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, cousin, enemy, whoever you need to share it with. Um, this was a different one. So, you know, comment, join our Discord, have a conversation with us about it. Tell us how you would have done it if you were on the fly like this. I'm kind of curious. Share it with Francis Chan so that he can see what kind of yeah. show he's going to be on at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, check out our convention. Links in the show notes. And if you want to see more from David and myself, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. There's a host tab. Uh, my name's on there. David's name's not on there yet because he hasn't officially told me he's part of the team. He will, though. <laughs> For now, you can see his episodes under guest. And guys, we seriously, we hope you enjoyed this. It was chaotic. It was weird, but we thought we need to do something. And it was fun for me. So there you go. Come back next week. We'll be interviewing uh, Malene Rust. Um, she's a minister and an author of the book Common Spaces Between Us, Nurturing the Good in the Midst of Difference. One of the few times I read a book that impacted me so much, I immediately had to book the author. I'm excited to talk about that one. It was truly challenging and very much a church unity book. Um, now you guys know why TJ does this part. I take forever. Then we'll be interviewing Matthew Winter, the creator of Brother Matthew, Reconstructed Faith and Commuter Christian. After that, we will be doing another roundtable, this time about how Christians should relate to other religious communities in their local areas. That'll be a fun one. Make sure you check that out. David might be there. We'll see. And finally, at the end of season one, we will have Francis Choin, Francis Choin, Francis Chan joining us because he didn't hear me mispronounce his name and you all invited him. So he decided to show up, even though he doesn't know about it yet. If he does, he's being really rude. Yeah, he, he really needs to respond. I don't know what's taking him so long. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.